Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we are joined by Nigel, who is a listener of the show. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about how you can go on your OE while living off your properties. Now, Nigel- Not right now, you can't. Well, <laughs> clearly not. But Nigel, you first suggested this topic when we were talking with Ella from Catalyst about how she was able to go overseas while owning a couple of properties. And I remember you said, Ed, I think you've missed a few things. I'd love to come on and talk Sounds about- Right, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I'd love to come on and talk about how I did it. So, Nigel, welcome to the show. We're so excited to hear your story as well because you've built up a sizable property portfolio and have been able to do some pretty cool things with it. Thanks, Ed. I don't remember saying I'd love to come on, but I'm here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So just for everybody as well who's listening, so Nigel just thought he was coming in for a chat with you and I, Oh, uh, right. I, th- I thought he meant, I want to come on the show. Oh, there and you so, go. That sounds about right. so Nigel's eyes get quite wide while Now, we are recording from our new studio as well. You, you haven't correct. announced it yet. Well, we are recording from our new studio. This is the first episode that we've done here. And so Nigel's eyes lit up, I think. But I'm like, we're out in this new studio and we've got all the lights and cameras going. But we really appreciate you coming on the show as well, Nigel. It's nice to be here. Fantastic. So take us back to 2001 and walk us through how it all happened. So this was when you were 21 and you purchased your first property. How old are you now? 39. 39. Yep. Okay. So I uh, bought my first house. Very excited about that. It was an owner-occupier? It was going to be, but I never moved in. Right, right. <laughs> you mean it was? you told the bank it was an owner-occupier? <laughs> well, I had all the intentions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I seen an ad in the paper saying, hey, wanted to rent a house in Timaru, moving from out of town. So I gave them a call. This was 2002. And they said, oh, how much is the rent? And I thought it'd be a bit cheeky. And I said, 180. And they're like, sweet, we'll take it. And so I packed up and went to Australia and they moved in. Yeah, already had plans to go to Australia or? No, I rang up my friend to tell him that I had bought a house. Yep. And he's like, what do you want to do that for? Come see me. Right, right. And then I rang him back and said, no, I've rented the house. I'm coming over. Awesome. Yep. So I went and spent a few months in Aussie. So you'd saved the deposit to buy the house? I'd saved most of the deposit. Yes. And then I had a CRX that I wrote off yeah. accidentally. Yeah. And that all made up the deposit. And so how much of a deposit did you have? Do you remember? It was about 18 grand in total. And what was the purchase price? 180? 94. 94. Cool, cool. Oh, so you had a 20% deposit. Just about, yeah. about 18. Yeah, that's, wow, that's pretty impressive. And that was just blood, sweat and tears and car accidents? Yeah, a couple of seasons at the Freezing Works in Periora. Awesome. No, a terrible place to work, but it was a yeah. bit of fun. Met a lot of people. And at that time, was the property positively or negatively geared? The first year, I think it cost me $1,000. Right, right. So, was it? Did you do some repairs and maintenance when you first bought it? Not really, no. What was the address? Do you remember? Yes. Yep. It's on Otapure Road in Timaru. Oh, yeah, great, great, great. Oh, fantastic. And so you went over to Australia, but I'm assuming you weren't living off the property at this point. So when you no. went on your big OE, walk us through how that worked and how you were able to structure it so you were living off the equity in your properties. Uh, well, after coming back from Australia, I moved to Mochuaca. Oh, yeah. And bought another property in Mochuaca that was also a rental because I had accommodation for my work. Do you remember what that cost you? 204. 204. And then I spent about 15 on that straight away. Yep. And then I was renting that for 380 a week. Did you save the deposit or did you use the equity in tomorrow? All the equity. Awesome. That's money great. On my own. That's great. And I borrowed the money for the renovations. Oh, yeah. Great. That's really good. Yep. Is that because you were getting up to some stuff in Australia? No, I was back in New Zealand at that point in Mochuaca. Oh, fantastic. And so you've got these two properties mm-hmm. and then you went overseas to? I went to the UK. I went to Turkey for 14 days and stayed for six months. And just wow. Travelled around. How long were you away for? Two years and then I come home and I thought, no, this isn't working and went away again. <laughs> but this work, it doesn't work for me? 
Yeah, you got to ease back into that. Yes. A really hard thing to do. So I went away Southeast Asia and come back again. And what were you doing for work overseas? I was a real estate agent in London. I was a chicken farmer in Scotland <laughs> and I was a tour leader in Turkey. Wow, a bit of a uh, variety of jobs. Amazing. Yeah. But then how was it? that you were able to live off your properties. What did you do that was a bit different to the people you were travelling with? Before I left, I had a revolving credit with a $70,000 limit, and I come back with about $10,000 left to spare on it. Oh, so you managed to run it pretty thin? I did. That's a lot of money. Uh, yeah. It was a few years, and plus flights back yes. and forth. And it was quite amazing having a full-time job in London and still not being able to live on my wages. <laughs> it's very easy to do if you've been there. And again, just to go over that revolving credit, even though we talked about it just, I think, two or three episodes ago. So this is like having a big 70K overdraft that you're able to draw down, but it is secured against that equity in your home. Mm-hmm. Hey, was that revolving credit that you had paid down and then you just used that money again, or did you set up a revolving credit facility for that purpose? I just set up a revolving credit facility. And did the bank have any issues setting that up, or did you get it set up before you said you were going to go on an OE? That was... 2007. So back then, banks no. just gave you the money. Yeah, it was like, yeah, you got the equity, sweet, sweet as. Yeah, yeah, the good old days. Yeah, people I was travelling with, they might have had cash, you know, they'll you know, save up a bit of money, 20 grand or something, and we all come back with zero. Realistically, I left with zero. Yeah. And we all come back with zero, and considering how hard it is to get back into real life, to get a job and start saving again, I think KiwiSaver might have only just come out at yes. that point, so people had nothing, and I've, I've seen my friends, you know, really struggle to get in, well, not struggle, but they had to do some hard work, whereas I just come back, had the equity from the other property, and was, okay, I'll buy another one. So your time that you're overseas, do you know roughly how much your properties went up in value while you were overseas? It wasn't on my mind. Right, right, I was just curious to see if you knew that, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about other things, but that is the beautiful thing, because you still had these two assets over here in New Zealand that are appreciating, especially likely to have appreciated, given the timeline that we're talking about, that kind of 06 to 08 period, and then we're able to come back and still have that equity, which you'd be able to use for other things like getting into your next house or then using the additional rent if you've now got positively geared properties in order to pay down some of that revolving credit while you get to it. Exactly, Ed, and that's what I did. And so 2012, I was renting a place and they put the rent up and I was like, well, we'll just buy another house. (laughs) Great position to be in. Yeah, and it was cheaper than renting. And certainly with interest rates the way they are at the moment, I think for most people, even if you're borrowing 90 or 100% because you're using the bank of mum and dad, you can probably buy a property and own it for cheaper than you can rent at the moment anyway. Yeah, definitely. Now, Andrew, walk me through this. So we were just talking about how back in the day, a revolving credit, you'd be able to get it quite easily from the bank, but that it would be much more difficult today. So if somebody is listening to the show wanting to replicate what Nigel did, maybe they're 21, want to buy a few properties and then use a revolving credit, how would they set that up? Well, I would never tell the listeners of this podcast to lie, but I would certainly think that it would be easier if you went to the bank and said, hey, look, I just want to have a facility in case of emergency, rather than go to them and tell them you're going to go on an OE because they'll panic and think you won't be able to afford the loan at that stage. So again, would never tell you to lie to the bank, but you would make it a bit easier if you... You would make a good case. Yeah, you'd build a good business case around, you know, having some money in case of emergencies because you've got rental properties. And Nigel, tell me, what made you decide to invest in property in the first place? I just wanted to buy a house and wanted to move out of home, you know, I was 21, still living in a sleep out at the back of my dad's. Don't worry, Ed does that at 28. I told you not to tell anybody. (laughs) And then just the way I mentioned before about how I found these people wanting to rent a house and that was my first step. And then I didn't want to 
kick anyone out when I moved back. Yes. And it was ticking along just fine. And you're still investing now, Nigel? Yes, I am. Great, yep. great, great. Because you've grown to a, a pretty sizable portfolio of 14 properties, if I've understood that correctly. Yes, it's very good. Especially in that the bulk of that would have come over the last eight years if you bought your third one in 2012. Yep. And have you focused on any particular areas? Mostly Christchurch. Obviously got one in Timaru, one in Twizel, and just... Just whatever works. Is the Twizel like. property used as Airbnb or normal rent? Normal rent. Normal rent. What sort of gross yield do you get just for ease of numbers on this? Oh, hey, it's terrible actually. It's been rented to the same person for about eight years and I haven't put it up enough. You manage it yourself, don't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are you sure you listen to the show? <laughs> we maybe no. need to do another show on using a property manager. Yes, yeah, so we're managing all our properties. So quite a few people listening to the show will find those numbers amazing and the ability to get 14 properties amazing. And the reason why I say that is probably more about the servicing side than the equity side because you will have had so much growth in these properties in order to be able to help you to get into the next one and the next one. But how have you made sure that the bank's been able to approve each additional mortgage based on your income? Just worked, made sure they were good servicing properties. Yes. You know, trying to aim for 7% return. Gross, gross, gross return. return. Gross wow. return, yep. Pretty hard to find nowadays. Yes, yeah, getting harder. And uh, I guess the last couple of years we haven't had our targets. Yes. My wife and I of how many we want to buy or mainly me, because we can't quite find that all the time too. And yes. had to drop what we're looking at a bit or change. Uh, unfortunately, bank servicing rates still being so high, but uh, rates being so low, we can accept a much lesser yield than we're used to now. The times have changed. But unfortunately, with this bloody responsible lending code, it makes it a little bit harder, right? And tell me, do you have a specific plan in terms of how many properties you want and when you're going to sell and all those kind of things? We've changed the plan a few times. Yes. Now it's only post-earthquake built yep. houses yep. and maybe we'll get rid of some of the older stock yeah, later yeah. on. It's certainly, I mean, it's a post-earthquake buying in Christchurch, that's a major reason to buy new, but then when you look at things like the healthy homes and stuff like that, which I know we're going to do an episode on in a few days, just even a new property not meeting healthy home standards, amazing the level of compliance required with any property that you're renting out. And so how older property, I got an email from my property managers this morning about one of my old properties saying there's a leak in a roof. Now leaks, for anyone that doesn't own any properties that have leaks, can be very expensive. So I just roll my eyes and archive that and made that a problem for another day. And the irony is just last week I asked her when the tenant's lease expires so that I could maybe sell it off and buy something new. And she said, oh, not for another 18 months so I said oh that's okay I'll just leave it for 18 months now I'm probably going to replace a bathroom oh, painful and look Nigel a lot of people listening to the show are going to think 14 properties that's so well done tell me if people are just starting out on their journey and they're 21 years old what's your biggest piece of advice for them buy the cheapest you can as your owner occupied invest more money in your rentals or your yes. investment property don't tie yourself up with paying down yeah. your personal debt Yes. Rent out your expensive house. Yes. And live in your cheap house. And I was just talking to a, hopefully a new investor that I'm going to work with. Rang me up just on my way back into the recording studio. Rang me up and he said, oh, look, we're quite nervous about investing and just want to you know, chat through these things. And he said, look, I'm very conservative. And what do you say to all those people that say this is a, you know, a property bubble at the moment? And I said, look, I've heard it all before. He's 57. And how many times has he picked up the newspaper in his 57 years of life and heard that the prices are expensive? And it's hard for first home buyers that is life too many people buying their first home or their own home spend so much money which is fine if that's what makes you happy then make that sacrifice now but you will be making a sacrifice later on in retirement because 
you'll have to keep working. You're dead right, because I've never had really high-paying jobs or anything. Um, never had KiwiSaver, just had an insurance payout from a CRX yep, and yep. some hard slogger of savings. And if you've got a CRX, listen to the property podcast and maybe you'll fall asleep at the wheel and uh, write that car off and you get yourself a deposit. Well, we'd never <laughs> tell you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. And Nigel, we really do appreciate you coming on the show, mate, to share your experience as well with all of the rest of the community. Awesome. Thank now, you. if anybody else has a podcast topic for us, then whip out your phone and send us a text. Our number is 5522. And if you do whip out your phone and send us a text, and if you do whip out your phone and send us a text, then not only will we maybe record a show about it, we might even have you on here like we have with Nigel to share your experience with the community. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm and we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 